In terms of abundance, you are a match for it, period, end of story. Thanks to Bambi for supporting my show. HR managers aren't cheap. Salaries average $70,000 a year. Go to Bambi.com slash dream job to schedule your free HR audit. Also, thanks to Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Sign up for Indeed now and get a $75 credit toward your first sponsored job. Plus, earn up to $500 extra in sponsored job credits with Indeed's virtual interviews. Visit Indeed.com slash dream job to learn more. This podcast is also sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. For 10% off your first month, go to betterhelp.com slash dreamjob. Start living a better life today. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to the podcast. I am so delighted because today I get to be with you guys live later on today because this week we are doing a free workshop called Most Abundant Year. And boy, am I so here for this. Uh, it's so amazing to be able to do this kind of work. And in the past, when we have done these workshops, we have just seen tremendous results. Really and truly, it is so powerful. So I hope that you guys are going to join me. It is free. And if you want to grab your spot, you can go to kathyheller.com slash abundance. And Kathy is spelled with a C, which you probably know by now. So kathyheller.com slash abundance. And if you sign up, you get to be with me live for a few days this week. Plus, you'll also get the replays. So if you can't be there live, you'll still get this free workshop. I think you're really going to enjoy it. We're going to do some giveaways every day. And the work is going to be really interactive. So I would love to see you there. We start today at 12 Eastern, uh, 9 a.m. Pacific. All right. Well, today's episode, I want to play a couple pieces of this incredible retreat. We did this incredible event about a week ago, and I feel like I'm changed from it. Like I went in knowing that this would be a beautiful experience, but it really has absolutely changed the game for me. And it seems as though every single person who came has said that it was 100% really and truly one of the most powerful things that they've done, which means so, so much to me. And now as a result, I can't, I can't unsee what I saw. And so I am realizing even in my own journey, like how much more I need to lean in to certain to certain topics, to certain things that really are probably most most of what I'm assigned to do and and also to facilitate those live experiences. So stay tuned because we will be doing more of that live retreat experience and those events in person and I can't wait. But today I thought it would be cool if we shared a couple clips so that you could hear a little bit as if you were a fly on the wall and you could hopefully glean some of the juicy stuff that we went over. So to give you some context for this first piece, one of the women in the retreat raised her hand and she was asking a question and she said, you know, I would love to feel abundant. I'd love to feel good even 60% of the time. And that wasn't even her question. It was just something she was saying on the way to asking her question. But it was such an interesting remark. I had to unpack it a little bit. So here was my response. Well, part of it is, I mean, what I think I find this really fascinating is that I think the reason that we're, I mean, you said 60% of the time, right? 
even that, it's like fascinating, right? Why didn't you say 100%? Mm -hmm. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Correction, right? Yeah, I think it's that we don't believe that's really possible. And that's the problem. Mm -hmm. And then we feel guilty for even thinking that. We feel shame that like, who are we to feel that good all the time? There's people that don't feel good. Or why do we feel that good? Or who are we kidding ourselves? You said 60%. Mm -hmm. I'd love to feel mega great. Six, why 60%? And I think about that, right? Like, can you imagine that with your health? Like, not your mental health, right? We're, we're talking about energy and vibration and how we feel. But let's just talk about our bodies for a second. Imagine somebody saying, I'd love to get to a place where physically I feel good 60% of the time. We would not accept that. If you had someone in your life who was feeling good less than 60% of the time, you'd be so worried about them. Have you called a doctor? Why are you not calling a doctor? What do you mean you feel really nauseous most of your day? What do you mean that you're feeling dizzy all of the time? What do you mean that you're feeling a st stabbing pain in your back? You wouldn't accept that. Why wouldn't you accept that? Because your underlying belief is that it's completely and totally possible to feel physically good all the time. And your underlying belief is you shouldn't feel guilty about feeling physically good all the time. You absolutely should feel good all the time physically. We don't feel that way about our energy and our emotional health. We don't believe that it's possible, and we actually believe that there's something a little bit off about feeling really good all the time. And that's the problem. You're supposed to feel good all the fucking time. The whole deal, why it's so amazing to be in environments like this, you know, why I'm doing programs, why it's even more incredible to be in the actual energy right like this live is so that I can kind of like zap you in this resonance of actual truth, right? Where you start to memorize and you make a decision to co-sign the truth and you memorize it to the point where you know where this coordinate lives inside of you and so you can get back to it. We are supposed to feel good all the time. We are supposed to feel good all the fucking time. If you ever looked at anything in nature, if you looked at your eye, how cute is my cat? Oh my gosh, God. <laughs> she's Persian and calico she's and perfect. She's, she's an angel. And um, when I got her home from the little breeder, she had a little cold. And I grew up with cats, and I never saw a cat with a cold like this. And she was like, Can I get a tissue? And I was kidding. Sneezing and sneezing, and I took her to the doctor, and I was so worried. And he's like, "She's still sneezing," and I'm like, "She's still sneezing." And he's like, "How many times a day?" I go like three or four, but like a lot in a row. And he's like, "That's not good," you know. And so then we gave her a little medicine, and now I realize like she might grow out of it, but I have to give her these little virus eye drops and then a little shot of medicine in her mouth. And he'll say to me every few days, he's like, "How many sneezes?" And I'm like, "She only sneezed once today." And he goes, "Still not good. She shouldn't sneeze at all." So let's keep her on this protocol. No sneezing, not one sneeze, not one, okay? That's where we need her to be. <laughs> That's where we need to be, right? No sneezing, you sneeze, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but like, we need, we need to feel good all the time. So if you saw a little 
she's five months old, you saw a little five-month-old Persian cat, you saw her sneezing, you, you're concerned. She shouldn't be sneezing, right? If you saw a beautiful tree, you know, and you see that part of it has like some fungus on it, you go, not okay, not supposed to be, right? We're supposed to go into the redwood forest and see these incredible trees that are like out of a Maury Sendak book, right? Have you ever been to the redwoods? They're just, it's hypnotizing. I, I, it's like, by the way, I love this country so much that like I've lived abroad twice. I lived in Spain, I lived in Israel, and I love America. Like I go to different places and the, just the nature of it, I'm just like, it's so gorgeous. So you, you look at nature, you look at animals, you look at trees, you look at eagles. We, I saw a bald eagle in my backyard. I, I posted it about a month ago. And I watched it flying and swooping and flying and swooping. And like if it was only flying in a certain way and then it was still flying like that and it stopped, it stopped being able to go, you know, we would be calling animal control or something, something's wrong. Every single thing in nature is designed to be in its fullest, brightest, most potential, incredible energy all the time, all the time. And if you had a little plant that started to wilt, what would you do? What would you do if you had a plant in your house and one of the parts that started to get brown, what would you do with it? You give it water. And you put it near the sun. And when you gave it water, and when you put it near the sun, it would start to lean in towards the sunlight, right? And then it would start to feel a little better and you'd give it the water and then it would thrive and it would grow and it would be okay, right? We need to turn towards the source of our energy. Just like a plant is drinking the photosynthesis from the sun, we also need to drink. We need to be connected, hooked into, feeling this kundalini, this source energy, this incredible flow like coming in. And how we do that is by disconnecting, unhooking from the ego's like grip and connecting to source, right? Connecting to God, connecting to this universe, connecting to the I am, coming into this place. And you start to actually feel energy come in because you're allowing it in. You're feeling it, right? And so when you don't feel good and you're hitting that, you know, less than 60%, less than 90%, less than 100%, you have to be aware of it and be like, wait, I'm supposed to feel amazing. I'm supposed to feel amazing. And, and then the, the next thing that I said is really important because what's usually around the not feeling amazing is the shame around feeling good, right? But how does anyone feeling bad help the person next to you? It just, it's the opposite. It really hurts them, right? It really hurts. Like if we actually start to feel amazing, how can that change our community? How can that change our family? How can that change like the course of the world, right? And that's where when I, was, when I sat with Angela Duckworth and we talked about success and she talked to me about grit, she's like, but what people don't talk about, they talk about resilience, they talk about grit. And she said, and the only thing that we know that actually gives a person grit is optimism, right? It's optimism. And so, my daughters, the school they went to in LA, the principal's, the, her opening address last year was, we need to raise a generation of kids who are so positive 
they're so they're so married to the optimistic approach so that they can innovate and they can change the world. Because if you're not optimistic, how are you going to change global warming? You won't. If you're not optimistic, how are you going to cure cancer? Forget it. If you're not optimistic, how are you going to build a business and change people's lives and change your community and change what's happening with gun laws? You're not. Definitely not. And then you just kind of play that out. And like, how do people even just feel on a regular Tuesday? How's, what's the vibration of most people on just a Tuesday or a Wednesday, right? So that's why you're busy. Because you're being busy because deep down, what else are you going to do? There's some resistance to thinking, wait, am I supposed to feel good all the time? Yeah, you and my cat and that redwood tree. <laughs> you're supposed to feel good all the time. That's God's gift to you. This life's supposed to be really good. It's supposed to be really fun. And we're not taught that. Our parents, most of the time, did not model that for us. They didn't give themselves the gift of feeling really good all the time. And so that's why. You can also still feel good even when the crap happens. Because sometimes that feels like, well, that sounds great. But then this happened and this Mm -hmm. happened and this happened. But what we have to do is we have to change how we relate and choose to see and choose to experience those things that may not be our preference, right? So we can get caught up in them and spiral into, oh my God, there's evidence again, and this other thing, and all of this feel-good stuff's not working, clearly, because this is over here. And in reality, it's okay for everything to be there. What matters is how you want to relate to it, how you want to interpret it, right? How you want to engage with it. And we can choose to see anything however we want to see it. So you can be upset by something someone says to you, or you can choose not to get triggered by that. You can see in some capacity, maybe there's a gift. You can see in some capacity that is just their process. However feels good to you, you get to decide, but we can still hold in a space and in a frequency of feeling good as we maneuver through life, because it's never not going to have stuff that isn't our preference because that's expansion, right? That's the source of creation. We have to have that contrast to understand better what we prefer. So feel good. And then the more you're feeling good, the easier it is also to kind of dance with these things that aren't our preference and recognize that they're there more as gifts or illuminators for us Mm -hmm. to continue to keep leveling up in our own capacity to to really be feeling good. Yeah, and part of it also, you know, being aware of this five-dimensional plane that we're on, right, is there's just so much going on that we don't see with our limited eyesight. And really what's interesting is you can see it with your eyes closed. You really can. Like if you drop into state, you can see. The veil is not that thick. You can see beyond. And that's what Dr. Alexander is like teaching people. Joe Dispenza is teaching it. Esther Hicks is teaching it. And Deepak is teaching it. Like Deepak was saying to me, he's like, I'm in my 70s now. And so I spend a lot of my meditation time really getting excited for my transition. Just like, who is this man? (laughs) And part of it is that all of the great teachers across every single, you know, religion and discipline they, they are aware of how much we don't know that we think that we're supposed to know that we don't. And my rabbi says it's kind of like if you went to the MoMA, which is one of my favorite museums, and they have the lily pads. They have the Monet lily pads in this beautiful room. 
So they put the couches all the way at the back because they want you to be able to take in these incredible paintings. And he said, imagine if they put the couch right in front of it. And you can't even tell, is that a lily pad? Is that part of the bridge? Like you'd have to step all the way back, right? To really see it. And so you think about how from God's perspective, from the universe's perspective, like how do we have the audacity to think that we know the curriculum that someone else's soul needed for this lifetime? Who are we to know that, right? When I had this baby boy and he, he died of trisomy 18, I had this healer say to me, we don't know what the mission was. We don't know, but everyone volunteers, everyone signs it. We all see this is what we're gonna experience, and here we go, let's go, right? And then Justin Baldoni was just saying to me, I mean, it's the most beautiful episode. He, um, he's like half Jewish, half Baha'i, and his Baha'i faith is, I'm learning about it, it's so beautiful, but he said, when you're in the womb, you know, you have everything you need. You have food, you, you're cozy, everyone's, you know, every need is taken care of. And the part of the reason the baby is like going through a process and often crying when it comes into this world is it's really scary. It's like you just left one world and now you're in this next world and that world felt pretty fine and pretty good. And now here you are and it's cold and there's lights and there's all this sound and it's like a really, it's, it's, an, it's an intense experience for a baby to come from one world to another. And then, and he said, and I, I remember that moment, my daughters were born and I welcomed my daughter and I knew on some level how scary it was for her to come into this new plane. And he said, but what I also know is that one day I'll welcome her again. I'll be on another, on another side, and I'll be there to greet her, and I'll be there to tell her, this is okay, and I'm right here. And he doesn't just believe it, he knows it, he lives it. And he said, and that's why the way I live my life, and he just did this beautiful movie about the uh, people's last days, it's really beautiful, it won a bunch of awards, and he really got so much out of that process, but he said, you know, if you were going on a journey you would pack what you need for your destination. And so he said, you know, if you were gonna go to Hawaii, you wouldn't pack a winter coat, you know, you would pack a sun hat and sunblock and you would pack like, you know, whatever you need, flip flops. But he said, if we're, if we're ultimately going to a next place, what do you need with you? You need spiritual gear. You need your journey. You need these experiences that help you really become, you know, as much of your potential. So when you get there, like, that's what you take with you into this next dimension, into this next plane. Um, and Dr. Alexander, which was just such an incredible experience meeting him, because he said to me, he's like, I was a card-carrying agnostic, non-believer, whatever you want to call it, and he was the head of neurosurgery at Harvard Medical School. And he came out of this experience and he said it was so uncanny. Like, I didn't want to tell anyone because they thought I would be like the weirdest person in the world. You don't say these things at Harvard. You don't talk about like this, this other reality. And now he's been able to document and prove what happens. And he said people do psilocybin, right? And they do these kind of ayahuasca journeys and they're right. 
it, it changes what's happening in the brainstem, so it lowers the activity of the brain. And then when they lower the activity of what's happening in our physical brain, we see beyond the brain. We see in consciousness. But he said he's now got really clear data and evidence that you don't need psilocybin. He said that there's this one part of the brain right next to the brainstem that if you listen to certain patterns of neural beats that at a different interval in both ears, it turns off that part of the brainstem so you can actually have a greater, um, a, a greater sense of awareness and a greater sense of your consciousness than if you did some kind of a drug like psilocybin. It actually, he said, the psilocybin only takes you a certain way there. So he's been doing these things called sacred acoustics and that's why we're actually gonna have a sound bath today because the more that you can actually allow in different acoustics, you can change the degrees to which you can feel into what's really happening. And I say all that because he knows so much more than I know, and even he is just a person trying to figure out this quantum realm, right? But I took my kids to a planetarium recently, and we're sitting there, and they start with like where we were in the museum, and then they scan you know, to where you are in the city, and then they keep going, and then they keep going, and by the end of the hour, you're like, why do I decide that I know what's going on? Like, <laughs> we don't know what's going on. We don't know what's going on, but we do know that there is an infinite universe with a cosmic force, right? We do know that something put all of this here, and we do know that we can feel energy, and we, we have moments of understanding that the energy and the things that we feel when we close our eyes feel so much more real than anything that we can see with our eyes open, right? So it's, it's a little bit about that surrendering process, right? And then when you start to feel bad, there's, there's some lie you're telling yourself. Right? There's some lie you're telling yourself. Like, as a human being, there are things that are going to feel really painful and really disappointing. And that is appropriate to give ourselves the space to feel that, to grieve. That, that makes sense. But if we're also attaching a lie to it, which is us deciding that we knew exactly what should have happened, or that this thing, you know, they had a different curriculum and how dare it have happened this way, it's like that's the piece where we go into unnecessary suffering. Because that's the piece that there's no way that we could have the audacity to claim any of that because we just don't know it. And what happened to Dr. Alexander, I'll just finish by telling you this in case you haven't heard it, and if you have heard it, it's just so, it's so mesmerizing to hear it again. But when he crossed over, he saw this woman, she came towards him, he didn't know who she was, and this is the thing that actually started everything because he said to his son, I'm just going to tell you because everyone's going to think I'm crazy. Meanwhile, he told his staff at Harvard, get me all my MRIs. I want to see everything that was going on with me, you know, while he was kind of like, you know, trying to put together what happened and what he was looking at. And he wound up saying to his parents, and his dad is also a physician, here's what happened. Here's where I went. And his dad's like looking at him. And he goes, but I don't know who this woman is. Like, who is this woman? And her name's Kathy. And I don't know anyone named Kathy. And the parents said, and he goes, do you? And they're like, no. And he's like, okay, so what's happening here? And his, his mom said, we actually never told you this, but you're adopted. And maybe you should look into that. And so he's like, okay. Like, that's a big bomb <laughs> to drop. Yeah, like here he is in his 40s. So he calls the orphanage where he had been as a, little, as a little one, and the woman was still there. This woman, she remembered him, and she gave him the information for his parents, and they were both still alive. 
and he went to see them and he walked in and lots of tears and he sat down with his mom and dad and he's like, yeah, I'm a doctor, I work at Harvard Medical School and this and that. And they're like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. And as they're talking, he's looking at the mantle and behind his mom, there's a big photo. And he said, who is that girl? And she said, well, I guess that's your sister. And she, um, she passed away about eight years ago. And he said, her name's Kathy, right? And she said, how do you know that? And he goes, I met her. She came. She was there. And he said, that's so uncanny that it was her because he said, the fact that it was her makes so much sense. He said, because my entire life, I knew something wasn't complete in this picture. And I couldn't figure out what it is because my parents were so loving, but it never felt like enough love. There was something empty in me. And he goes, and it makes sense because as soon as she put her hand on my hand, I felt complete and I felt found. And I knew that there was a part of me that was always okay, that was always loved. And he goes, and of course that would happen because if that hadn't happened, I never would have met you because I only even discovered you when I told my parents about this story. So she came to complete for me that in this lifetime, I would feel this sense of complete unconditional love that was always missing for me and driving me crazy. And there is just no way on earth that he would have known that. And he has now had the ability to take his team from Harvard and sit with thousands of people in their last days in hospice. And he said, there are times where somebody is completely unresponsive and they know, looking at the brain scans, that this person has no brain function. And literally, hours before they pass, they light up, they sit up, and they say, Mama's here, or I see my father, or whatever it is. And he goes, and that is not a hallucination, because where they are at with their brain activity, we now see it. They, they, they scan it. He goes, there's no way their brain is seeing anything. It had been done for weeks, and all of a sudden, there's that clarity. That's our true clarity. So, you know, we don't need to know it. We just need to know that we don't know it. That's all. We need to understand that we just don't know and we just can't claim. And when we know that, we can surrender, right? This beautiful big mystery. And then it gives us the ability to go back to feeling good because it's not our job to know it all. And then we can actually grieve. Then we can actually feel the pain when we need to feel pain without adding a layer of resistance. Because when we have the resistance and we're angry and we're, we're so sure of some, we can't even feel the, just the pure grief anyway. Like, this is just painful, right? This is just what it is. So, um, yeah, very, very beautiful, very, very sad, <laughs> um, but also so incredible. And he's, he's the best. He's like, I love it. I love, like, he, I can now have experiences all the time where I, like, do these acoustics and I can, like, find my ancestors and da-da-da-da. He's all like hopped up on like life and death, you know? <laughs> There's so much more I want to share, but first we're going to thank our sponsors. There's so much going on in the world right now and in our day to day. So it's easy to get burned out even without knowing it. Symptoms of burnout can include 
lack of motivation, feeling helpless or trapped or detachment, fatigue, and so much more. We associate burnout with work, but that's not the only cause. Any of our roles in life can lead to us feeling burned out and BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to prioritize yourself. Talking with someone can help you figure out what's causing stress in your life. Sometimes I put a lot of pressure on myself and I think that I have to be everything for everyone else. And as a result, sometimes I actually get run down and I I get sick. I get a cold or I get the flu or I get bronchitis. I've even fainted recently because I just forgot to take care of myself and it was Mother's Day. I told you guys all about it. So it's really important that we look after ourselves, including our mental health. And therapy has been a resource for me throughout my life. So I think if you're trying to process something or you feel stuck, it can be helpful to talk it out with someone who has that outside perspective. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. You don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and my listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash dream job. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash dream job. When you're running a business, HR issues can kill you. Wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations, and HR manager salaries aren't cheap. They're an average of $70,000 a year. Bambi, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, was created specifically for small business. You can get a dedicated HR manager, craft HR policy, and maintain your compliance all for just $99 a month. I know that trying to be your own HR person can be such an energy drainer, so I love that Bambi is making it easy to change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat. Plus, they can customize your policies to fit your business and help you manage your employees day-to-day. Again, all for just $99 a month. You can pay month to month, there's no hidden fees, and you can cancel anytime. So you can go to Bambi.com slash dreamjob right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's Bambi.com slash dreamjob. Spelled BAM to the B-E-E.com slash dreamjob. I'm gonna let you keep going and then... Okay, so I guess I just wanna go back to a moment to the point when you were asking what, what do we do when we get really aware of like the presence of the scarcity, right? Because there we're gonna have a lot of evidence of it when it's been what we've known and what our belief systems are calibrated to, right? And it's gonna continue being there for a bit. It's almost like we talk about, when we talk about we can plant new beliefs, right? And we know that it's gonna take time, right? Like little seedlings for the evidence to show up in our reality. It's almost like composting is the reverse, right? For the beliefs that we've had prior to, it's gonna take time for them to sort of start decomposing and breaking down. So it's really, really important that we don't, like I said, we change how we're relating. So we're not panicking and spiraling when there still seems to be these moments or evidence, as we could say, that this belief that we have it must be so true because here it is again. Even if you're just simply acknowledging to yourself something like, oh, yeah, this is just my old reality that's in the process of changing, right? Where it's okay that it's there because it's there doesn't have to mean anything other than what you decide to make it mean, right? And as your belief systems start to shift, that evidence will not be as strong because you're not giving it as much energetic attention and you're not, it doesn't have as much to grow with anymore, right? So just allowing yourself a bit of that space that it's okay for it to be there, right? It's, it's gonna take time for it to not be so present in your mind and not be so aware of it and that's okay and letting it be there, I think is a really important part. And then when it comes to sort of shifting more into what it is you do prefer, 
we, we don't tend to spend a lot of time focusing our, our attention in that direction of what we want, right? We do as kids. Right. We do as kids when we're off in our imagination, but then that's kind of considered child's play, right? And, and we're, we're pulled out of that that's not practical, that's not this, that's not that. And we know physiologically, like the brain knows no difference between reality mm -hmm. and imagination. It knows no difference. So vibrationally, it's so powerful when we can shift our focus to what some people would call la-la land. Like, are you just living in la-la land? It's like, yeah. great, live in la-la land because that's what's going to help you actually start bringing it into your 3D reality, right? So it's... It's always going to be a process, and it's never going to stop being a process. I think we keep going like, when am I going to get there, right? Like, when is this point going to come when everything just feels easy all the time and everything? It's like, okay, well, in part when you decide, but part of the deciding comes from the allowing of it all to be there, right? It's not that in order for me to feel good, X, Y, and Z needs to be in place because that's not... It's never going to happen. You're going to be waiting forever, right? So you just need to give yourself that permission and give yourself that space to allow everything to just be fine and to choose to find the gifts and the things you don't prefer, to choose to find the expansion in it, and to keep bringing yourself back intentionally to that feeling state, to that feeling good, to noticing. Every single one of us has like a... A buffer, right? There's something that we all do, right? Whether it's the busy to-do list, so we don't have any time to like think about what we might just do with our space. Some of us uh, work really, really excessively, right? Some people watch a ton of television, right? Or some people will drink a lot. It just depends, right? It doesn't matter what it is, but we all have our thing that we'll use kind of almost as an excuse for why we are allowing ourselves that space. And so I think it's also really important that when you're moving through your days, you start to become aware of that because breaking that pattern also means breaking that tendency to fill that space. When there's no space in your world, we have to create that opening. And it is scary sometimes to create that opening because it's different, right? It's unfamiliar, but that's, it's essential, right? And as you can see from this conversation already, you've noticed, I mean, we just had this and that was so cool that you like allowed us to have that moment of discovering that, right? But you can notice throughout what lit up for you is like, oh wow, as she's talking, there really is a gap between that feeling of total possibility and what I actually really do carry around with me. And as I said before, your thoughts are electricity and your feelings are a magnet. And how you think and how you feel, that's your electromagnetic signature in the world. So when you're in this thing called the quantum field, which you cannot escape it, we're living in it. We can actually now see it and measure it. If you're not there, you're then not a match for the things and experiences that you want to be a match for. So when do you get to have it? Now. Right now. How do you get to have it? By having a signature in this moment that's a match for the abundance that you want. So if abundance 
feels like freedom, how free do you feel right now? If abundance feels like magic, how magical do you feel right now? If abundance feels sexy, how sexy do you feel? If abundance feels like life flowing through you, if abundance feels unleashed and the feeling of so much plenty and so much majestic mystical that you are not in control, how much are you a match for that? And that's it. And as you continue to tune in to those different electronic thoughts and those different magnetic feelings, you're 100% going to be led to what you want to do and how you want to do it. And when you walk in a room with that going on, whatever you do is going to come back at you and reverberate back at you in a way that you're going to be 100% certain that you plug in. And you'll be given that certainty over and over, which will remind you that it works. So then you'll actually take action constantly and you'll take action in a messy way because it won't really matter what the functional, logistical, three-dimensional elements are. It'll all be in the vibration, right? I just heard, this is just a funny example, but just came to my mind right now. I just heard that Pete Davidson, his, his series, they didn't buy a pilot. It went straight to series, right? Straight to series. He walked in the room, told him the idea, straight to series. No pilot. No pilot. That's not such a shocker, right? His vibration right now in the world is pretty strong, you know? His dad died in 9-11. This kid, that set him on a track to be the realest person in the room. Like, my husband and I are comedy people, so we've watched all these people for the last 15 years. So when he was, like, a baby, like, I, mean, I think he was 16, I saw him at the improv, and he like came on with this hoodie. He was dating Larry David's daughter at the time. And he was just like, yeah, is, you know, he's just so real. Like, this is as realer than you could be. Like, you almost to the point where you're like, is he really this honest, you know? Um, which just levels the room immediately. And um, that, to me, is like, oh, it went straight to series. Like, I've just spent the last month meeting with Netflix and Magnolia and who do we meet with, CNBC and... To go straight to series is like, this doesn't happen. Like, you, you have to test it, you have to pilot it. You, have to, you know, and it was like, done. Like, you're going straight to series from an idea. When I talked to Brian Grazer and he told me that he would like, he walked in the room with this movie splash with no movie. There was no movie, there was no script. And he said, Mermaid. And Ron Howard, he goes, literally puts his head down. He goes, oh no, like this. And then he walks out and he goes, you said he falls in love with a mermaid, you know? And he goes, I know, it's so great, you know? And Brian Grazer looks like he's literally like electrocuted all the time. Like his hair stands up straight. The guy is like zing, you know, like that. And he goes, and then we sold it from an idea. Like, we sold it with nothing, with no script, with nothing. And they just had this guy, Tom Hanks, who had been in the show, like, Bosom Buddies, and he's like, I'll do it. And, you know, and they had no money. And it was giant. It was this blockbuster hit. It made Tom Hanks' whole career. And then they made, like, 51 movies since then, which all 
won awards, A Beautiful Mind. I mean, they made Apollo 13, they made every movie. He goes, Kath, and now I'm on this thing where like, I don't sell movies with anything other than my enthusiasm. Like I just walk in the room and I sell it in the room with the magnetism of how excited I am about the idea and that's it, right? So when does it happen? It happens today. I said to my husband a couple days ago, you know, what's really your dream? He's like, well, I'm like, I'm so sick of it. Like, come on, <laughs> you gotta be a player, you know? And he's like, um, I guess I'd wanna like make a movie with like Judd Apatow, you know? And I said, okay, but I want this to happen by the end of the day. And he's like, why do you get crazy, you know? <laughs> and I go, we have a whole thing called a day on planet Earth. A whole day. Let's have it happen by the end of today. And he's like, hang on a minute. And I go, what's in your mind that it can't happen by the end of today? And he's like, you're really actually crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, maybe I'm not. And I want to know why you're actually so crazy. And he goes, well, first of all, we're in Florida right now. I go, oh, so for God, there's a difference between space and time, right? And where you are in the 3D totally matters, right? Okay, we'll go with that. And then what? He's like, and then it takes time. I go, okay, so again, this thing. In God's realm, right, remember that 24 hours, a thing called 24 hours, which we, can't, we count time, right? We count, we have a calendar. You know that it doesn't exist if you leave the atmosphere of the earth, right? It's literally gone. But we're so bought in. Like, there's a thing called time. Like, really? Okay. There's a guy named Einstein. Remember what he said about time? Made up. Okay. So I said to him, so you're really bought into time, even though like the, the thing that you're experiencing with time only happens in one plane on one particular point in the whole universe, where most of the universe doesn't experience time like that. But that's how time works. And he's like, again, you're getting crazy. I'm like, okay, keep going. So time, he's like, so we're, we're in a certain place and it takes a certain amount of time. I go, what are you gonna do with that time? Like, well, I'm gonna be getting ready. I'm like, you're getting ready. Really? <laughs> so like, by the end of today, what will you have done? How will you have used that time that's so important? Well, you know, you think about the idea. I'm like, really, you're gonna think about the idea the whole day? Because I'm telling you, that'd be pretty powerful. Well, think about it, and then what? And then I'll mull it over. Okay, you'll mull it over, and then what will you do? Well, then I'll have to write a script, I guess. Okay, you'll have to write a script and then what? And then I guess I would send it to someone. Okay, great. What if you did that by the end of the day? <laughs> well, if I wanna write a good script, I'm like, and we kept going. And I was like, who do you wanna write this movie with? And he's just like, oh my God. <laughs> so I go, is it a movie? Is it a show? Is it a comedy? Is it a drama? What's it about? And he's like, I don't know what it's about. I'm like, well, you told me you're going to think about this all day. <laughs> and he goes, okay, I don't know. It's about men and marriage and different friends. And, and then they grow up. And then we're seeing this one's divorced. And I go, okay, and is that the story you really want to write? He's like, I don't know. Maybe it's about a guy who, you know, and, you know, it, it's tough, but... He, he loves being a dad. And I go, and say more about that. Why does he love being a dad? And he goes, because his dad died. And he's talking about himself. 
And he goes, but Dad, this is getting heavy, and I don't want to write something heavy. And I said, well, comedy is actually only funny when there's something really also sad about it, because that's the, that's the whole continuum of what we all get to sort of bump up against in this lifetime. And he goes, okay. I said, so is it a movie about fatherhood? And he goes, I think it is. I said, so it's about fatherhood. And it's about this guy who wants to be the dad he didn't have. And he, he's bawling at this point. That's my husband's dad died when he was a kid. And he goes, that's the movie I want to write. I said, I think we have enough. So I texted his friend, Mark Schiff, who he's doing this podcast with. And I said, what do you think of this movie? And he said, let me talk to Paul Reiser, because he wrote a book on, father, on parenthood. I think he'd want to be in it. And with about two hours, he says to me, Judd Apatow is going to be on the podcast at the end of the month. I go, okay. So by the time you guys talk, we need to have Paul Reiser attached, Jerry Seinfeld, and this movie needs to be written. He'll pitch it to him. And he goes, well, this is just insane. This is crazy. I mean, what's really, and he goes, oh, it's getting insane. And I'm like, no, that's how it works because you were willing to go there. So they're working on this movie now. And then now that they have these like two celebrity people, like I reached out to a couple of our friends who are Hollywood writers and they're like, we'll write it with you. And I was like, can I ask Bill Rosenthal? And he was like, oh God, I mean, yeah, I guess so, sure, you know? So it's just so exciting. Like, but what does it take? Like, what does it really take? And you could say, oh, well, it's because you know these, it's like, what does that even mean? None of it means anything, right? Like, it's, it's, it's what you decide it to be. It's what you decide it to be. It's what you're willing to be a match for. And I have, like, a million stories like that. So I want you to take a second right now, and I want you to write down, based on this conversation that we've had, which was so juicy, what beliefs did you notice in this conversation that are really sticky for you, And what are three beliefs that you want to decide to believe today? Like, what came out of this conversation that you're like, that's it. This is the energy. This is the engine of my future. These three beliefs. If I have these three beliefs and I'm committed to these three beliefs, and it is law. This is law. If these three beliefs were law in my life, How would my life be different by the end of the day? (laughs) By the end of the day, how would my life be different? Take a second and write that down. Okay, before we go on, I just want to give a shout out to our sponsor. I recently spent an incredible week with my amazing team and it really made me realize I adore these women. And I've always known that, but I just feel so incredibly grateful for the people that I work with. I can't even tell you. And I think that when it comes to work life, you deserve to surround yourself with the best people that are really a match for you. So how do you find them? You need Indeed. Indeed is a hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match assessments and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed Data US. And Indeed is the only job site where you only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. I know that finding the right fit can be so tedious sometimes, the process, so I love that Indeed is making hiring so much easier. With virtual interviews, you can save time because you can message, you can schedule, and you can interview top talent seamlessly all in one place. You don't even need to install anything extra. Indeed's virtual interviews work from your browser. So join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent 
fast. Sign up for Indeed now and get a $75 credit towards your first sponsored job, plus earn up to $500 extra in sponsored job credits with Indeed's virtual interviews. Visit Indeed.com slash DreamJob to learn more. Claim your credits at Indeed.com slash DreamJob. Indeed.com slash DreamJob. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, now you're going to hear another piece of the retreat where we did an exercise where I had all of the women write a check to themselves. And I said, write yourself a check. I didn't say write your worth. I didn't even say write a check based on how much money you made in the last year or the last month. I just said, write yourself a check. And everyone wrote down a number. And then I said, okay, based on what you wrote, I want you to stand up in the room and I want you to get in the circle from the smallest amount to the biggest. And it was just fascinating. So we had some women say 200,000 or $5 million. And we even had one woman say, a billion dollars. And then some of them shared why they wrote down whatever number they wrote down. So this is what we talked about. And I thought this is such a juicy insight into our relationship with money and abundance. Take a listen. We're going to get into hopefully a lot of the nooks and crannies of this as we make our way around the circle. And I want to also give you the so, you know, so-called mic. But that's an interesting one because part of the reason that you're at 300, 500, whatever is because you think you have to do it. Like literally it has to be an exchange of everything you do and pour out and it's an exact exchange, right? And that comes up in so many ways. It means like for every client, I have to save their life, right? I'm responsible. Like you give me $1, I am so responsible for your outcome, for your results. Like. Never ever was that ever the case. <laughs> that could never be the case. That would actually co-sign that they don't have access to their own strength, that they're not the hero of their story. They're the hero of their story. But also in terms of abundance, you are a match for it, period, end of story. And how that's gonna come in, some of it's gonna be maybe from your business if you want it to be, but then some of it might be like, just like once, once you're in that place, it could be that you are vibrating in such a place that your husband's energy, right? He's gleaning from that and you're manifesting and it, you, you do it in a way where it, like, it comes through him. So you didn't even have to, right? You didn't even have to go do anything. You just elevated, you raised his vibration. Or maybe it's the kind of thing where you just bump into it. Like a friend of yours says, oh, here, do this NFT thing. And like that NFT becomes, you know, worth whatever. Or you wind up being at the right dinner at the right time and someone says, oh, I'm making this new movie. It's like a remake of Rain Man. Do you want to get in on it? It's only this much. And it becomes this like huge thing. And like you invested in it. Why are we so sure of how you're a match for it or you're not? And if you're a match for it, right? Like I was telling Colleen, like I'm at this place where I'm just a certain, and it's amazing to me, like, Tony Robbins tells the story that he got to a million dollars and he had a million dollars, a million dollars. And for seven years in a row, he couldn't make more than a million bucks. And he's like, oh, I'm too smart for this. Like, why am I not making one and a half, 1.8, one, seven point, whatever you said, um, or what she said, one, seven, seven, eight, right. He's like, one million dollars. And it was, it, he got to a place he was so fed up. And one day he was in Minnesota and he was checking into some hotel with like, it was like a moose head on the wall and it was freezing cold and he called home and his kids were in San Diego in the hot tub jacuzzi having like all this fun time and he was like why am I standing in the cold in Minnesota 
and I'm always on the road, and my kids are in the hot tub, and if I make a million dollars every single year, and I make it by flying around all the time, then am I really making money? I'm not really making money because I'm living like a poor person. Like I'm always working, I'm not in the hot tub, and then my money pays for them to have the hot tub, but like I don't have extra. Like I don't have extra to take off work, I don't have extra to give away. And he was like, okay, I have to be able to break this. And so he realized that in his mind, a million dollars was like, that was the most a person should have because he came from so little. So then he thought, but what if I turned it around and kind of like what you were saying before about how you want to help people and you showed the hands or whatever. And he's like, how much would I want to make if I wanted to feed hungry people because he had that history? He's like, well, then I would want to make so much money, an unlimited amount of money, basically. So he's like, I want to make $10 million so that I can feed this many people. And then it just... It, it broke, the dam broke. And now I think, you know, he's, his companies collectively are making like billions, you know, a few billion or something like that. So, so there, is a, there is a thing with that, right? You're a match for it. And I notice with myself, we'll say like, okay, we're gonna do this launch and I'll have it in my mind, like it's gonna make this much money. And then it just, it makes exactly that much money. And that has to do with like, and this is what I said to you about you guys, and this is for all of us. Like you can say these numbers, what energetic shift, what chiropractic adjustment can we do right now today so you're actually there? It's just energy. We have to change the energy. And when we change the energy, you can actually do that. But right now, there's a gap between what you're actually a match for, which is what's actually really happening, and what's available to happen right now, but it's not. You're saying it, and that's, that's, that's a good start, right? You're saying it out loud. So now, where do we need to move? So I was saying to Colleen, like, no matter what, it's like, I feel like I'm, I'm in this season for the last many years where abundance just comes. So I was giving you the example, the montage example. Like, we went to Black Rain Mountain in January, and we got there, and there's a snowstorm, and they're like, oh my gosh, we're so sorry. Uh, that there's there's no power, so we're gonna have to put you in the other place. The they have a farm, and because of it, we're gonna comp you your whole stay. And I was like, huh? Like, and it was awesome, and it was great, and it was amazing, right? So there was that. So like, we left with like, and here's food for your drive, and you're good, you know. And like, we wound up having only one and a half days without power, but the place we were in had a generator, so we were totally fine, and that was like amazing, okay? Then we drive to South Carolina on our way home, and we go to the montage at the Meadow Bluff, where Justin Bieber got married, it's really, really beautiful. And I go to check in, and I tripped on a brick. There was a brick out of place on the walkway, and I tripped, and I was fine. Like, nothing happened, and the guy who's at the door at the hotel goes, Oh my God, are you okay? Oh my God, you just tripped. Da, 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 da. You know, he works there. He's got his. And I was like, Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm okay. You know, and he's like, Wait, come in, sit down. Do you need a band aid? And I'm like, No, I don't need a band aid. I'm fine. <laughs> and then he was like, I'm just so sorry. Like, there was a red cone there, orange cone, and somebody took it. And I'm going to check in with you tomorrow. I'm going to call you tomorrow. I'm like, Okay. And so we stay at this beautiful, they have like bungalows, these beautiful, their houses, they're gorgeous. And we used to check in our house and we go out on the May River the next day and this guy's, I get home and he's called me two times and I call him back and he's like, 
Ms. Heller, I just want to let you know, like, your entire trip is comped. And, um, you know, are you in pain today? Like, he's afraid of a lawsuit, I guess. He's like, what are you feeling? I'm like, I'm feeling fine. And he's like, okay, do you want to come back again? And I was like, yeah, I do. And he's like, great. So let's do three days totally on me. Um, and you call me. He goes, if you go home and you start to feel like you're in pain, let me know right away. Like, let me, because he doesn't want, I think he doesn't want a lawsuit. Yeah. So I was like, Okay, fine. He's like, and then you just let me know when you're coming back here. Three nights on me, whichever house you want. Blah blah blah. I'm like, amazing, great, awesome. Okay. And I check out and I took a screenshot of it, right, to show you. I was like, Colleen, this is my bill at the montage. Zero, zero point zero. <laughs> so abundance. That's abundance. You are a match for it, or you're not a match for it. It's energy. It's like. Ooh, this is fun. I love this. It's playful. I'm excited. I'm open to it. I'm available. Let's go. Green lights. Woo! And it's like the world goes, this is, this is perfect for you. <laughs> you know? It's like when you're setting somebody up, right? And you think about, well, why did you set this girl up with this guy? Or why did you set up this girl with this girl? Or that guy with whoever it is, right? Energy-wise, it's just a match, right? It's not really how they dress, right? It's kind of like there's just like a matching vibe, you know? And so... I like my husband's roommates when we were dating, he was um, living with two really cute gay guys. And I remember that Chris would just date the hottest guys because he's hot. Like, so every guy he would bring in was this guy who would like, oh, he has a jet. Oh, he owns an island. I'm like, fuck it. Like, you know, like, and I'll show you his picture. He's, he's that guy. He's gorgeous. He's a swimmer. He's like, clean like he's just so hot and he's also like he grew up in Orange County he grew up in Newport and he wears like preppy clothes and he's money like remember in, in that movie with Vince Vaughn and Swingers like your money he's like Chris is money like Chris walks in a room and like you would never like if you were hosting Chris and Chris came for the weekend and you've never met him but he's like staying with you because he's your sister's getting married and he's staying at the house you know oh Chris is here and he's hungry you wouldn't say to Chris like there's an Arby's there's a Wendy's let me get you food like you wouldn't offer Chris a fast food restaurant you wouldn't he's not a match and you don't even know him and you'd be like okay so I'm like where am I gonna take this guy and you'd be like um so there's a resort, they have cocktails, and perfect, fabulous, let's go to the lounge. Like, let's do that, right? Because he's money. He comes from that vibration. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So I knew when we were, my husband and I were dating, he had just graduated from UCLA, and I was like, you're gonna be so successful, like, what do you wanna do? And he's like, I don't know. And like, every opportunity comes to him because he's, he's just wealth. Do you know what I'm saying? He is wealth. His skin, the way he buys things, the products he likes, how he talks, how he wears, how he... And, like, this was when he was even, like, a roommate in my... Like, my husband was living with these three guys. It wasn't like, oh, because he his parents were giving him all this money. They weren't, because they're very respectful of wanting him to find his path. But, of course, he made millions of dollars. He started a development thing and started building doing construction real estate stuff. Of course, of course he did. Wherever he goes, he's a magnet for it, Right? So what does it feel like to be it? And I want you to think about the women who are going to watch you, whether it's your future client, the customers, the people who will watch your Instagram. Like, feel right now, okay? I want you to literally stand here and close your eyes. And I want you to feel this number that you set, right? And now I want you to see 
for those of you who are in, let's say, this first half of the crescent, the circle, like, can you raise it a little bit? Energetically, let's see if we can do this energy-wise. Can you raise the number? Can you double it? Can you double the number? And now notice literally in your experience of what you're feeling vibrationally. Where is that resistance that you're hitting? Can you feel it? And can you move past it, through it, beyond it? Can you raise your vibration? Can you feel how fierce, how sexy, how joyful, how much grace and surrender and gentle humility and reverence and ease there is in being fully in the receptive mode. Can you move in, drop in, rise, raise it up, and feel how when you extend that capacity, you open up, you're actually more energy and less matter. You're actually more connected to the divine. You're actually more connected to the wholeness, to the infinite, to your higher consciousness in this place of a capacity for the infinite because you are infinite, because you are abundant. And that's why you can be a match for it. Because this part of you, which is you, extends in all directions for all times, is, was, and always will be. And this is just a material, three-dimensional, reflection of that which is immaterial, soul level. Feel the energy of that. Feel it vibrating in your hands. Feel it vibrating in your chest. And feel how you, stepping in and claiming this, heals generations of women. Feel how leaning back into this helps so many women see them rise See a whole crowd of women with their shoulders back, with their face turned towards the sun, with such humility, such gentleness, such soulfulness, such wholeness, because they're in receptive mode, because they're in receivership. And feel how you moving into that just moves that ocean, just gives them that permission and puts them back in alignment. Now open your eyes. Do you see how we literally, when we are open eyes and looking at the 3D and the, this optical illusion, you, do you notice you switch it? You make it the opposite. As soon as we go into meditation with it, it's so clear that the more you receive, the shrinking of the ego, right? The more the ego contracts and the soul takes flight. If it's true that we don't get what we want, we get what we are, and when we're plugged into source, it ain't no big deal because you are a reflection of the infinite. And that's why we 
want to watch and see, what's J-Lo up to? What's Kim Kardashian up to? What's this one up to? Because no matter how much our eyes, and even their eyes, can get caught in their own dance with their own ego and contrast, there's no doubt that there's some crown chakra in alignment there. And when they step in and they wear it, you go, ooh, I feel that. Like it's, it's like, it's like an orgasm. Like I can feel it and it's right. It's actually right. And you bow to that, right? You bow to that full humility. I feel that whenever I spend that kind of money, right? Whenever I like, just let it go. Like whatever I'm spending money on, buying somebody a house and my family or putting money into a vacation, like, oh my God, like when did I ever think it's been 200 grand to go on vacation for two weeks, you know, something like that. And I'm like, yeah, because it's just energy. So the more I put out there, it's just like, boom, there it comes right back. And the more I do that, I literally, my knees sometimes, I can feel my ego just like strip away. And I can feel myself just like, you got me, right? You got me. And I feel myself, and you can look back at my life, like anybody who wanted to like study this, and you can see this with other people too, like I've become more feminine. It's not more of my like boss, I'm more at ease. I'm more humble, I'm more dropped in, because that's the match for it. The match for it isn't the other way. It's not like, oh, I became more like, you know, I hustled more at this. It's like, no, I moved out of that. I moved into the feminine more. I moved into receivership. I moved into the receptive mode, right? So now, I want you to re-scramble and do it again. And if you can't move, that's okay, because we're having a breakthrough today. But I want you, without talking, to reshuffle. And what is it that you felt when you went into that meditation? How far did you go? Where could you hold? So I hope you enjoyed a little taste of the retreat. And I really would love to see you at our next live event, because it was such a magnetic container, like the energy of this collective group of women, this consciousness, the way in which people came fully present, fully awake. It was just so powerful. So I will let you know when our next live event is, but here are the takeaways from today's episode. Number one, we are supposed to feel good all the time. Everything in nature is designed to be its fullest, brightest, most incredible potential energy every day. This life is supposed to feel good. It's supposed to be fun. Number two, disconnect and unhook from your ego's grip. Connect to source, to the I am. Let the source energy flow in. Number three, we need contrast to expand and grow. Those moments are gifts so we can keep leveling up. Number four, you're not responsible for someone else's outcome. They're the hero of their own story. Number five, you are infinite. You are abundant. That's why you're a match for it. This part of you that extends in all directions for all time is, was, and always will be. That is really who you are. Number six, when you step in and you claim it, you will heal and help generations of women. You will help them rise. You moving into that vibration moves the whole ocean, gives the whole ocean permission, and puts everyone closer to being in alignment. Number seven, the more you put out there, the more it comes back. And the more you receive, the more your ego shrinks and your soul takes flight. And number eight, we don't get what we want. We get what we are. When we're plugged into source, it's not a big deal because you are a reflection of the infinite because you are love itself. 
Thank you so much for taking the time and listening to the show. That is not a small thing for you to be able to figure out a way to make sure that you listen to the show. It means so much to me and I will always be so, so aware and so appreciative and so honored that you spend your time here. We have some amazing guests coming on, so definitely subscribe to Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or wherever you're listening. And if you want to support us, the best thing is to tell people about this show. And leaving a review for the show helps so much because it helps more people find the show in the algorithm. So if you haven't done that yet, then leave us a review and post about the show. And you can tag me at Kathy.Heller if you post about it on Instagram, and I can repost some of those shares, which is always fun. But... I just want to remind you that my free workshop is starting today, 12 o'clock Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. I will be live with you for four days straight and you will be sent all the replays if you sign up. It's free. I highly recommend that you come because you will be so grateful. You'll say, you know what? That was worth so much and I didn't even have to pay for it. You might even want to tell one or two or seven of your friends because I have no doubt that they're going to enjoy the experience. You can go to kathyheller.com slash abundance to sign up and grab your spot. We start today. I love you so much. I'll leave you with a song and I'm actually going to talk to you again real soon. Subway cars filled with tiny souls. Some are young and some of them are old. Saddest faces you have ever seen How can we set each other free? Searching for